Hello everyone and welcome to the second edition of the VTX podcast. Here at the Veterinary Thought Exchange we like to ask what are you thinking and this week we're going to be thinking about gastroprotectant medication in dogs and cats uh, focusing a little bit on some of the downsides of using omeprazole and excitingly we're going to have Liz join us for our Desert Island Drugs segment where we're going to be talking about aortic thromboembolism in cats. And as always my bestest friend and producer of the VTX podcast Karen is here making sure that we keep on track. So how are things going this week Karen? Hello. Hi. Yeah okay. Um, isolation's a bit strange isn't it but um, I'm, I'm doing all right. I had a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was an at home haircut, right? Yes. <laughs> and how and how did that go? It was all right. Um, I'm I'm amazed. I'm amazed. It doesn't look DIY, which is the main thing. Good. So I think it's funny because I think we're all, we're all forced to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And for those of you and Karen definitely will know. I would never in a million years consider doing anything involving painting. And we have, uh, I suppose, had our hand forced a little bit. We were hoping to get the outside of our house painted this year. And uh, we've decided to tackle that job ourselves. Um, and <laughs> everyone's worried. Everyone's worried. I'm really, I'm really worried. <laughs> worried for the house. I would love to report that we have done one of the walls and actually it looks really quite good and I think um so one of the positive things that we can take away from this lockdown is that we're maybe forced to do things that we're not comfortable with and sometimes that might work out okay so if that's cutting your hair in the kitchen or painting the outside of your house um then I would encourage you all to explore those uh possibilities <laughs> yes have you been up the ladder yet that's what I'm most worried about no so I I have been tasked with the uh, only to head height bars. <laughs> only to head height bars of the house. And um, my husband Andy, he's doing the uh, bits above head height. And I think that's probably the safer way around. Yes. Yeah. Is he still washing the shopping? <laughs> I, I really hope that this is something everyone else is doing. We're still routinely washing our shopping. I, okay. I, I, yeah. We're still doing that. Just now, checking. I just think we need to do all we can to protect ourselves. And we are still, uh, I'm still wiping the outside of the gin bottles. Yes. Excellent. Right. So. <laughs> Let's head to the clinic now. What is it we're going to be discussing this week? This is a subject that I'm really interested in and I think it's a really interesting topic because these are drugs that we're going to be reaching for potentially every day in small animal practice. So when we talk about gastroprotectant medication, the most common drugs that we're talking about are proton pump inhibitors, which are drugs like omeprazole, pantoprazole, lanzoprazole. We're talking about H2 receptor antagonists, which are drugs like ranitidine, famotidine, and cimetidine, and potentially other drugs like sucralfate. So that's kind of the drugs that we're um, thinking of when we say gastroprotective medication. I think one of the main things that we have to pay tribute to at the beginning of this discussion is that in human and animal medicine, these drugs are massively, massively overprescribed. 
They are most commonly used or should be most commonly used for the treatment of gastroduodenal ulceration and reflux esophagitis. The big problem is that actually a lot of the time when we reach for these medications, we're not treating gastroduodenal ulceration or reflux esophagitis. And that's something I think we have to think very carefully about. Really important, uh, I don't want to focus on this too much today, but we know pretty conclusively now that drugs like ranitidine, cimetidine particularly, and famotidine, although maybe not as much, are inferior to drugs like omeprazole and pantoprazole in treating GI ulceration and in modifying the pH of the stomach. So if you want to modify the pH of the stomach, if you want to lessen the acidity in the stomach, then you need to be reaching for a proton pump inhibitor like omeprazole. And we know that overall, particularly drugs like ranitidine are inferior. So the take-home message there is that if you're treating gastroduodenal ulceration, then you reach for the omeprazole. There's always a bit of a debate. Is there one PPI or proton pump inhibitor that's better than another? Generally, we say probably not, although there is a little bit of data coming through that would maybe suggest that ezomeprazole could be slightly better than omeprazole and pantoprazole at modifying gastric acid. We probably don't know enough in dogs and cats to be making that definitive call at the moment. So drugs like omeprazole and pantoprazole are fine. Like I said, we need to be reaching for the omeprazole when we're treating gastroduodenal ulceration and reflux esophagitis that's related to gastric acidity. We should not be reaching for omeprazole when we're treating acute, non-complicated, non-erosive gastritis. There's no evidence. So that dog or cat that comes in, it's vomited once. Maybe you give it an antiemetic, but you shouldn't be reaching for omeprazole in those cases. Animals that have liver disease, you should not be routinely using omeprazole. There's no strong evidence to support that. Even animals with pancreatitis, there's no strong evidence to support the use of drugs like omeprazole routinely in pancreatitis cases. And the same goes for renal disease. So these are are not to be used as blanket drugs just because a cat or a dog is vomiting. Having gastroduodenal ulceration and vomiting for another reason can be very, very different things. And so that leads me on to really focusing on the fact that we need to know that we're choosing the right drug, but also the right drug in the right context. And omeprazole is not a benign drug. Proton pump inhibitors are not benign drugs. And I really wanted to run through some of the side effects that we can encounter with this medication. The first thing to mention is that with omeprazole, we're modifying the pH of the stomach We're making the stomach less acid. And actually, there are some medications that rely on the stomach being acidic in order to work properly. Notably, drugs like clopidogrel, mycophenolate, iron, and some antifungal drugs. So we have to be very careful that if we're using any of those drugs, we're not modifying the pH of the stomach too much with omeprazole because those other drugs might not work. In human medicine, there are a number of reports of other potential side effects of omeprazole. So you may see things like acute or chronic renal insufficiency, cabalamin deficiency. I don't think we know enough 
certainly in animals, to say that any of those are true side effects. We absolutely see diarrhea as a side effect of omeprazole, and we mustn't underestimate that. And so if animals are developing diarrhea, then we need to be thinking about whether omeprazole is really needed in that context. The other thing is, as far as a side effect, if you do have an animal on omeprazole or another proton pump inhibitor for more than four weeks in a row, you can't just take that drug away. We know, um, and we've demonstrated this in human and animals, that there is a chance of getting this rebound gastric acid hypersecretion. So basically the stomach just goes wild after the omeprazole is taken away. And so we need to taper the dose of omeprazole if the animal's been on the omeprazole for more than four weeks. And we would normally taper by 50% every week um, until we're down to um, lower doses. One of the most mind-blowing things that I think is just such an important thing to think about is the effect that omeprazole can have on the bacteria in the small intestine. And so how omeprazole, so changing the pH of the stomach, can then change the microbiome and the effects that that might have. So the most interesting thing when it comes to this is that in a number of studies, it's actually been demonstrated that if you give omeprazole and a non-steroidal together, you can actually increase the chance of there being duodenal ulceration. Now, you're all going to just be falling off your seats thinking that makes no sense because if we have an ulcer, gastric ulcer, that's been induced by long-term non-steroidals, then the way we treat that is with omeprazole. Now, that is absolutely true. So if you have a gastric ulcer that has been induced by a non-steroidal, then you still treat that ulcer with one mg per kg of omeprazole twice a day. What we're talking about here is something very different. What we're saying is, you should never prophylactically give uh, a meprazole along with a non-steroidal to stop gastroduodenal ulceration because actually that could increase the injury in the duodenum, in the small intestine, because you're changing the bacteria. You're changing the pH of the stomach, therefore you're changing the bacteria in the small intestine and that can actually predispose to more injury from a non-steroidal. So in so many... it's counterintuitive the mechanism there is is very different but it's just something really important to think about there's human and uh, animal studies so young people were given uh, omeprazole non-steroidal together um, and they were at higher risk of duodenal ulceration so really really important to keep that in mind and certainly the prophylactic use of uh, omeprazole to stop ulcers when you start non-steroidals is not recommended However, if you have a, a non-steroidal dog who's been a non-steroidal for a while and develops an ulcer, then that is different. The mechanism of that is different and therefore you would still use a meprazole to treat that. So moving on from that, when you're giving a meprazole, you are changing the pH in the stomach. The pH in the stomach doesn't allow bacteria to grow. That's the whole point. So really acidic environment, the bacteria that you swallow are not going to survive. If you change the pH of the stomach with omeprazole and then you have an aspiration event, so you aspirate your stomach contents, then that actually might be even worse than aspirating normal gastric fluid. So let's think about that. First thing to remember is 
Omeprazole will not stop you aspirating. It will just simply change the pH of what you're aspirating. Now, that might be nicer for the esophagus. So for reflux esophagitis, aspirating less acidic stuff, probably a good thing. If that less acidic stuff gets into your lungs, there's probably more bacteria in that than there would normally be. So under normal circumstances, you aspirate acidic gastric contents with very few bacteria. You have an initial chemical injury and a secondary bacterial infection. What happens if you take a meprazole is that you're allowing more bacteria to be in that initial aspirated fluid and potentially predisposing to more aspiration pneumonia or infections developing. So just, I think we just need to think beyond what we consider we know about these drugs. And I think my biggest take home message is it's, it's about thinking about whether you even need the drug in the first place. And that goes for anything, but particularly drugs like omeprazole and the other gastroprotectants. Are they actually required? Is there evidence to say that they're going to make a difference in the condition you're treating? And I think that's the thing you have to always start with. So this is the Desert Island Drugs part of our podcast and um, you have to imagine that you are stranded on a desert island. You only have a limited number of drugs to choose from to treat a particular condition and you have to save one of those drugs from the waves. And this week we're really excited that Liz, one of the other founders of VTX, is joining us and the condition that we are thinking about this week is the treatment of aortic thromboembolism in cats. And the drug options Liz has are aspirin, clopidogrel, and riboroxaban. So Liz, which drug would you choose? Thanks, Scott. So this is a good question because I think it could be one of two answers. The thing that I definitely wouldn't save and I'd let dissolve in the sea. We used to use aspirin all the time in cats. It's quite good if they're hard to tablet because you use it every three days. But it does have certain side effects being a COX inhibitor. So we're sort of we're sort of moving away from using aspirin uh, where possible in cats with feline aortic thromboembolism. The other thing that I would leave behind at the moment, although this might change in the future, would be rivaroxaban, which is a factor 10A inhibitor. Factor 10A inhibitors are becoming quite uh, commonplace in people to treat things like strokes because they have uh, less bleeding side effects than drugs like warfarin do and they're, they're definitely not, in, not in, inferior to drugs like warfarin for the prevention of, of strokes and I think currently there's a, a study called the Supercat study which is being undertaken in the US and the UK looking at uh, how effective rivaroxaban is in preventing recurrence of feline aortic thromboembolism so I think at the moment it's a bit too early to choose that drug and therefore the drug that I'd save at the moment would be clopidogrel Based on the results of the Fat Cat study, we know that clopidogrel uh, had a significant advantage over aspirin for the prevention of recurrent, uh, recurrence of feline aortic thromboembolic episodes, and it's readily available and relatively cheap. So I would, at the moment, save clopidogrel. So to find out even more information about the treatment of aortic thromboembolism in cats, head over to our website, www.vtx-cpd.com, where Liz has got a whole webinar on that exact topic. So next week, we're really excited that Liz will be back with us. And so we'll be really delving into 
uh, Liz's background, her career and how Liz and I know each other. For more information about VTX and what we do, please head over to our website. And as always, remember to like, follow and share on our social media platforms. Mm -hmm.